The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome to Financial Issues. I am Shanna Burt, and we are going to be talking about all of the things that are concerning you about the markets, the economy, your portfolio, and most importantly, your stewardship. So uh, let's get right to it. Yesterday, we got CPI data out for the month of July. That is inflation data. That is what is on everybody's mind and what uh, President Biden has labeled as public enemy number one in his top domestic priority. So we got the core number out that the Fed watches. Um, that's That came out flat at 5.9%. So flat at 5.9%. Hang on to that because I'm going to come right back around to that. The headline number came out at 8.5%, which was below what the analysts were expecting and below the 9.1% uh, rate of inflation number that we got for the previous week. So moving in the right direction, but the bottom line is that inflation is still high and something to be taken very, very seriously. So President Biden is taking victory laps on what he calls the 0% inflation. Well, this is just more deceptive marketing tactics <laughs> as he tries to position his administration as being successful against his domestic public enemy, number one, which is inflation. Make no mistake about it, inflation is still historically very high at 8.5%. He's really just gaslighting the American people, telling us that inflation is at zero, twisting one small piece or one aspect of that data when he just says that core inflation didn't increase anymore. So that's what he should have said is that we had a 0% increase, not that we're, you know, not indicating that we're at zero inflation. We all know what 2%, 2 to 3% inflation feels like because that's what's happened over the past 20, 30 years. But we all know what 85 and 9.5% inflation feels like right now. So we got the PPI number out. So this is wholesale prices. This is the inflation in the goods and and the cost of goods sold that uh, companies are experiencing. And what typically happens is they pass that along to consumers. So it's going to give us a glimpse into what what we saw in July and what we can expect to see in the consumer number coming out for August because you know, the goods and services that were produced last month, if they still have a high cost, then that's going to be continue to be passed on to the consumer. Um, headline PPI came out at down a half a percent month over month for July, but still at 7.6% year over year. So analysts were expecting increased in both of the numbers. So this is good news. The pre-market show, the markets are liking it shows that inflation is maybe starting to um, come under control a little bit, but this is just one reading. 
Uh, core PPI was up two-tenths of a percent month over month for July, so still increasing a little bit month over month, but off of the peak of 11.7% year over year uh, that we saw just a few months ago in March, and it's still at 9.8%. Um, jobs, we're starting to see some softening in, a, in what's a very, 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 very strong job market. You know, we've we've got almost two jobs out there for every person that's wanting to work. The new jobless claims came out at 262,000 and continuing claims at 1.428 million. So, uh it reminds me of an article that I saw toward the end of July around roundabouts July 20th that some research said that 40% of workers are considering quitting their jobs soon, within the next, I believe it was six months. So what does that tell us? It tells us tells me that there's a strong job market out there, that um, I don't think that people are going to quit their jobs and just retire or not go to work, unless, of course, we get more government stimulus coming. Um, what it means is that they're probably going to quit their job for another job that offers them either more money, better benefits, the ability to work from home, whatever that might be. Uh, other economic news, we now see the national average for gas prices at four under $4 for the national average. That is good news. Um, for the rest of 2022, though, refiners are expecting that demand is going to continue to be robust. Um, that is not good news, considering that the supply of oil, that's just going to you know, I think we may just be seeing a temporary drop depending on what happens to combat all of these other factors that we're facing. So we really have to consider what's going to happen when we have decreased oil supply because all of the 180 million do uh, barrels of oil have already been released from the strategic reserve and we're not releasing anymore. Are we going to continue to release more oil and threaten our national security? What's going to happen when winter hits in the EU? This is just a crisis waiting to happen. You know, they're going to have to uh, warm their homes or people are going to die. They're, and they need natural gas to do it. So what's happening there? How are we, how are we anticipating and planning for that catastrophe? What's going to happen when we have more money coming into the economy with the really the Build Back Better agenda just relabeled as the Inflation Reduction Act, which is ridiculous, and the CHIPS Act. We're going to create more jobs that can't be filled and drive wages even higher. Instead of hiring another 87,000 agents, IRS agents, to try to squeeze more money out of the people who are legitimately trying to pay the taxes that they owe, um, making under $200,000, the people that make under $200,000 are going to be squeezed to give more tax credits to people making over $300,000. Instead of doing that, how about we hire more people to investigate the fraud that's happening in the public benefits department of government? Let's get able-bodied people back to work. Let's get all of these illegal aliens that we're bringing into the country and putting on public assistance. Let's get them contributing to a system that they're draining. Socialism seems to be working great until you run out of other people's money.
when you squeeze the middle class so hard by taxing them to death, um, it's just not going to work. You know, it's not going to work for those who can and will work, uh, can't carry everybody else. You know, so you think, does this sound too harsh? As Christians, aren't we supposed to be helping people? Yes, we are. We're supposed to help those who can't help themselves. Consider what 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says. So here Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and encouraging them and giving them some, some warnings too. And he reminds them of how hard he worked to support his own self and the other ministers that were there serving the church, yet paying for all of their own uh, care, for their own food and things like that. And he instructed them. He said to cut off able-bodied people refusing to do their work quietly and earn their own living. So we should take that advice here in America, too. And, you know, for those of us who are able-bodied and and uh, have the God-given abilities and gifts to work, we should not waste those resources, those gifts that God has given us, and we should go to work. So I'm Shana Burt with Financial Issues, and we'll be back right after this. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of His people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, 
building God's kingdom. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and to to take take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple of God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Securities offered through GA Repl and Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only, and do not necessarily represent those of GA Repl or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it, and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, and you just heard my disclaimer right before I came on live here. So that's nice to not have to say that every day. It'll save me uh, a few seconds to maybe answer some more questions. All right. So, Sam, what do we have on Ask Shanna this morning? Yeah, Shanna, we have Todd. He's 56. He's saying, I own a small software company. We have been using Vanguard for our simple plan, but with their position in the world with ESG, WEF ETC. I'm wondering if we should use someone else. If we should, do you have any recommendations that will allow for easy enrollment, access, and contributions? I see TD Ameritrade, where I currently have my brokerage account, has such a plan. Thank you. All right. Great question. So, you know, this comes up a lot, and, you know, there are some things happening with Vanguard. I personally know an advisor who is uh, considering leaving there. Because of what all is is happening, you know they're they're a Christian advisor, and you know Vanguard has just been increasingly stepping up their efforts in all of these social agendas. In fact, they said that this year for Pride Month in June, they actually had a drag queen come on campus and do a performance. <laughs> so yes, uh, Vanguard is getting caught up in all of that. They're they're getting caught up in the ESG movement, which is um, some people will confuse ESG with BRI. There is a huge difference there. The ESG means environmental, social, and governance issues, um, meaning that they're very concerned with the climate. So they don't want to invest in oil companies that are uh, or fossil fuel companies, for that matter. They're uh, they're activists about social issues. Um, and not the same social issues that we as Christians are concerned with. As Christians, for example, we're concerned with promoting a pro-life agenda. The ESG movement is more concerned about humans, re, uh, women's reproductive rights, which includes the right to an abortion. So very, very different. Um, WEF is the World Economic Forum. So that is the group of elitists and globalists 
that um, are trying to rule the world, and they have an agenda that doesn't fit well for the common folks like us. So he's wondering if he should use someone else. Now, here's what I would say. In spite of everything that I just said about Vanguard, um, you're using their platform. So as long as you're not forced to buy their products, you would be okay. And that goes along the lines of the the differentiation between patronage and ownership that I mentioned before. So Vanguard is just, in this case, providing a platform. So if it's easy to use and they're not forcing you to buy their products or go with their social agenda, then it would be okay from a biblically responsible perspective to do that. However, if you're already using a different brokerage platform that you like um, and they have an easy way to do it, I think it makes sense to kind of consolidate things all at one place. Good stuff. Yeah, we got John here. He's 49. He's saying he's a prime member. The 45 to 55 allocation changed and the fund TM57 was dropped. I remember Dan saying to just hold it. Is this still the smart thing to do with with it since I'm pretty overweighted in the other sector? I could use the funds and spread it out to the other underweighted sectors. Thank you in advance. Mm-hmm. So um, that is an international fund. And, you know, it's not just the U.S. that is having fears of recession right now. This is a worldwide phenomenon. We're seeing central banks cut. We're seeing... Things happen all over the world. So um, I would expect that the international types of investments are still maybe are probably not going to be the best performing asset class out there. But as a part of a diverse overall diversified strategy, you're always going to have something in your portfolio that's not doing well. If you don't, you're probably not very well diversified. So you could keep it. But the whole point of asset allocation is to be disciplined and follow a strategy. So everything that's not in your model kind of gets put in the other category, and there's about a 1% allocation for that other category. So if you're not, if you're way overweighted there, you know, the reason that we have increased, um, the reason that we have the the weightings that we have to each sector is because we believe that that's where the opportunity is going to be. So it makes sense to, to make a plan to start doing that. <clears throat> now, what I would say is that for whatever money you have in that mutual fund, look for another mutual fund position. I can think of a defensive position that we have uh, increased recently. So look at a position where you're underweighted. And for your mutual funds, always try to process an exchange from one fund to another as long as it's in the same fund family. For example, the only funds that are in our models are the Timothy plan. So you would move from one Timothy fund into the other. All right, let's get right to some calls. We have Gary calling from Florida. Hi, Gary. Hey, Shanna. Um, This is Gary. Hey, I uh, uh, am uh, 68, uh, and today's my birthday. Well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Hey, uh, I'm sure this question comes uh, is on other people's minds. I wanted to ask it. Uh, the allocation models. Uh, I've taken three allocation models and have combined them all and wanted to get your take on that. Um, so I'm using the uh, investment uh, 65, the Timothy 65, and the income, and I've kind of combined them 
Uh, and what do you think of that? I think that's a great idea. I think what you what you have to do is you have to kind of take a buckets of money approach. So use one portfolio strategy for each goal that you have. For example, if your if your goal if all of your money is to be used for retirement, that should follow one investment strategy. If you have a separate goal, like maybe to send kids or grandkids to college, um, that should be used. You could set up, even if you're using the portfolio tracker, you could set up a second portfolio and use a totally different model. So um, all of the money that's going to be used to for one goal needs to be managed under one model. Right. Okay. So um, my my priority, real, I don't need any of this money uh, and probably will never use it. So my priority really is um, uh, a little growth with some income uh, preservation uh, for the grandkids, um, if that makes any sense. And, and then also, uh, what I've noticed, uh, early on, I bought a bunch of, uh, I bought a bunch of mutual funds and, uh, you know, the buy-ins on those, uh, uh, and then I'm taking your advice and Dan's advice and I've moved, moving money each month out of a qualified account into a non-qualified account. And that's worked very well. And the Timothy plan, uh, or actually, your allocation models uh, are working out quite well. I mean, uh, you compare the the uh, non qualified account uh, with uh, your strategy, FISM strategy, to the uh, qualified accounts. You know, uh, and those those options, uh, it, it's it's night and day. Yeah, uh, FISM is just uh, so much better. So I'm just oh. thrilled about uh, about uh, what's happening. I just just wanted to kind of get your take on on that, and I appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. And thanks for that feedback. Thank you for being a partner and supporting and encouraging the ministry. So, you know, based on a couple of things that you said, your age, it sounds to me like you have a pretty good understanding of how the markets work. So as long as you have a pretty good uh, risk tolerance appetite, you could actually use the 55 to 65 model, which is a little bit more growth oriented. Um, but you did mention the word preservation. So if that's more your style um, then you want to probably just use the the sixty five into retirement, and as you combine all of those pots of money or all of those different accounts, whether it's in a qualified or non qualified account, if it's retirement money, it's all under one strategy. And as you combine combine that on the portfolio tracker, you'll start to get an idea of you know there are still some mutual funds that are in those asset allocation models, and you can do your exchanges between those. So great, great stuff. Thanks for calling. Um, let's go to Bonnie. She's calling from Ohio. Good morning, Shanna. Thank you for taking my call. And I'm also reminded, and thank you for volunteering your time, because it seems to me I remember a president not taking pay for his service to our country as president. So it's much, appreci- it's much appreciated and admired. So thank you. Um, I just wondered if you would um, remind us, I don't recall exactly the purpose of the cash position in the investment portfolio and the purpose of the cash position in the income portfolio. I know that there are different purposes, but I'm not sure I completely know what that is. Okay. So the purpose of of cash positions in any portfolio is for the preservation piece of that overall portfolio and to buffer 
the volatility. Um, at times, it may also, uh, we, we did increase cash in the portfolios 55 and up, so 55 and 65 models. A couple of reasons for that is preservation during the the slowdown in the economy, the volatility that we're seeing. I expect a lot of volatility to happen this year as the Fed continues to raise rates, and we've seen that. So um, anytime that you're in retirement, I believe there's much more value on protecting on the downside than there is on capturing every bit of upside potential. So any cash allocation is for preservation reasons. Um, in the younger models, if we have heavier cash positions, it's really to keep some powder dry because we believe that there's going to be some opportunities. So kind of twofold, but mostly in the 55 and up, it's for preservation because, you know, when you look at the market, the S&P 500 has been very volatile this year. But we have to remember, and most people translate whatever's happening in the markets, that's what's happening in my portfolio. Well, that's not true unless you're just 100% invested in the market, which most people aren't. The purpose of asset allocation is to help buffer volatility, to help protect on the downside, and to help you stay the course when things get rocky. So I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues, and we're going to be back right after this break. Never be without quality, God-honoring entertainment. Always at your fingertips and within your view. In your home and on the go. You'll never be without FISM TV. Watch Financial Issues. Outspoken. FISM News and more God-honoring TV right where you are. Tune in to FISM TV anywhere, anytime. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burke, continuing on for our beloved founder, Dan Celia, who has gone into glory. So let's get right to some calls. We've got Gary. Gary's calling from Mississippi. Hi, Gary. Hi, Shanna. I'm 72. I'm at the age I've got to start taking the uh, minimum distribution out of my 401. We have about 500000 just a little bit more than that, in our 401. We owe about seventy seventy-five thousand 75000 on our house. Uh, my first question is, should I go ahead and pay this house off out of that 401? I know that we've been paying on it for about, I don't know, maybe 10 years, and 
what we're paying now is not much of it. We've already paid most of all the interest down, so paying off early is not a big savings. But uh, my question is, should I pay it off or just keep paying my monthly note like I'm doing? Is the monthly note a burden? It's going. It's probably going to be a little bit of a burden here in the next year or two. That's that's my question. It's not right now, but I feel like it probably will be. We get we get about six thousand dollars a month with uh, a little sideline work, and then Social Security, and then I have a pension. Um, do you ever intend to move or downsize? Well, I would like to, but I don't think my wife is going to go for that. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. So, if you intend to stay there, then I would be in favor of paying it off. If not, uh, if you do intend to maybe downsize or something like that, then I would I would hold off. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, that's the first question. I've got one more question if I can ask it. Go ahead. I'm like I said. I'm 72. I'm getting ready to have to get with the uh, TD and uh, get my minimum distribution, or the quote whatever that's called. And I've heard Dan speak before that you can have that sent to your church, or part of it sent to your church, and it helps you on your tax. Uh, I don't quite understand how that works because we use that in, in, on our filings on our taxes at the end of the year so I'm kind of in the dark on that so you do itemize yes ma'am okay so here's how it works um, once you're 70 and a half you can give directly from your IRA and in the majority of cases that's always the way to go is just to distribute that and you'll do a little bit of reporting you know you'll get a letter um, or some kind of documentation from whatever brokerage you use that will say where the money went, how much, the tax ID number, and all of those kind of things. And you just keep that for your record. That's uh-huh. reported around, now I'm not a tax professional, but that's reported around line four. It, your 1099 is going to report all of the money that you took out of your IRA. And you want that because you want the government to know that you took your RMD, you took the right amount, because if you don't, whatever amount that you didn't take that you were supposed to incurs a 50% penalty. So you're going to record that in 4A over in 4B. It's going to ask how much of it was taxable. So if you distributed $50,000 and you gave ten. Only forty thousand goes into the taxable part of your income, so okay. that's a great thing. It's a really great thing for people who use the standard deduction because they get that standard deduction, which is higher than their giving plus everything else. So they get that twenty-seven, you know, around twenty-seven thousand uh, deduction. Plus, they get money out of their IRA on top of that without taxes. So you'll have to add it up and see, you know, if you take out your giving from your deductions, then, um, you know, you may be, let's say that that knocks you down to 15000 and you would end up using the standard deduction. So you're going to end up getting more money out at a lower rate by using that charitable, that it's called a qualified charitable distribution. Okay, qualified. Qualified charitable distribution. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good now, stuff. what do kids, the, the people that's holding your money, your TD Ameritrade, 
do they allow you just to have one check sent a month or do they they do multiple checks or how does that work or do you know You'll want to check with them. Some brokerages will allow you to have a checkbook where you write it. Now, if you do that, you want to check and also make sure that if you write any checks, what is the default amount that they're going to withhold for taxes and then adjust accordingly. Some other firms will just have you uh, make a request every time that you want to do it. So the way that we work with our clients is we, we ask them to try to do it once a year um, quarterly at most because it's just kind of a manual process. You just make a request and it's distributed. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Well, that answers my questions. I thank you very much. Well, great. Thanks for calling. We appreciate your support. Have a good day. You too. All right, let's go to Nick. Uh, Nick is calling from Florida. Hi, Nick. Hey there. <clears throat> I've got a question I asked uh, Dan some time ago when he made some changes to asset allocation models. Um, he pretty said, uh, hold what I got, but I've got, um, Timothy small cap ETF as well as the small cap value mutual fund. Um, I don't think I've contributed to the small cap mutual fund for some time just because it, we kind of made a transition in the asset allocation model to the ETF. And I missed that. And I called Dan and said, Hey, I've been making contributions kind of to both. I'm guessing you want me to contribute to the ETF. Um, should I transfer that? Uh, entity, the value fund, small cap value fund, into that, keep it, put it into other mutual funds in the you know asset allocation model. He just kind of chuckled and said, hey, yeah, you did miss the update. Don't worry about it, though. Hold on to the value fund. Keep contributing to the small cap ETF for now. I just wanted your opinion after kind of reviewing my um, portfolio tracker the other day, if I should continue with that advice. This was probably almost 18 months ago, uh, I would guess. I've been continuing with the small cap ETF um, and I still maintain that position in the value fund. I don't need the money. It doesn't bother me. I'm not restless about it. Just want to make sure I'm um, following the most commonsensical approach. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, 18 months can make a huge difference. You know, if you're adding money into a position that will make a change and also what's happened in the markets can make a change too. So what I would say is, um, I'm going to confirm the advice to go with the ETF over the mutual fund. Now, what will likely happen is when you look at your asset allocation tracker, there's probably going to be, if you're overweighted in that particular small cap sector now, then you're underweighted somewhere else. So hopefully it's an area that involves one of the other mutual funds because you know, you do pay a commission to go into those A-share mutual funds, and the best thing to do is to hold those long-term. So you could actually exchange that into another fund, like perhaps your your light in the defensive strategies fund. You could just exchange those small-cap value shares into that defensive or wherever. Maybe it's the Israel fund, you know, maybe it's... Um, another right. fund that's in your allocation. So that's what I would look to do with that. I would hang on to it until you th- until you can find a place to exchange it to rather than just to sell it. Right. Perfect. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. Thanks so much. Um, one additional question unrelated to that topic, rebalancing. Um, I understand the guidance and the timelines and not overdoing it. I don't overdo it. I'm not really Nuts about rebalancing, uh, especially with how volatile things have been. You'll be out of balance every five seconds if you check. Um, energy, though, is one where I've, that's starting to get to, to grab my attention. 
for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of things I've had that have dollar cost average down that are now up substantially. I don't mm-hmm. get penalized. I won't get penalized if I rebalance that sector. All my energy is in a qualified account, so it doesn't bother me to 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 rebalance any of that. Again, I'm, I'm pretty young. Um, I'm 36. I'm in the lowest asset allocation model, uh, most aggressive one. So I don't care about holding on to it forever. Um, but if would there be would this be a decent time to look at um, maybe shoring up some of that? Um, uh, Are you adding money into your portfolio right now? Uh, I am. Uh, most of the additions, though, go into my unqualified account. That's where I keep my ETFs and mutual funds because my qualified money, my IRA, my Roth is, I, you know, that gets tapped out so fast. Um, yeah. I'm just in a, in a position of financial blessing. So I, that thing just gets, ma- I max it out at the start of the year and just, um, I keep the stocks in there. For, Great. Yeah. So. It sounds to me, you know, like I could tell for early on that you were in one of the, the younger asset allocation models. And when you're in the accumulation phase, meaning that you're adding money in, I prefer to see imbalances addressed with new money, meaning putting the new contributions into places that you're light in the asset allocation model rather than, you know, selling out of other positions. So unless that energy sector is really out of balance, um, I might consider just just leaving it alone and letting the new additions balance out the portfolio. That makes sense. All um, right. I think that's it. Well, great. Keep thanks so much. For, <laughs> thanks. We appreciate your support, and thanks for calling. All right. Let's get to Vincent. Vincent's calling from Florida. Yeah, I got one, uh, one question. I got two houses. My first house is paid off already. I got plans to sell my house in very soon. I'm going to have enough money to pay off my second house, the, the mortgage. Should I, my question is, should I take that money to put somewhere to gain some means, make some more money like uh, income for me, or pay off my second mortgage, my second house? Um, well, what I would say, it's going to depend on your future plans. You know, do you plan on keeping those houses forever? You know, if you're getting close to retirement and it's going to be a burden on your retirement budget, then I would say go ahead and pay it off. If it's not, and perhaps you intend to sell it down the road, then I would hold off and invest the money somewhere else. All right, I'll do that. Thank you very much, and God bless you. And right. thank you for replacing uh, Dan Zilla. You are the best who could replace him. Oh, thank you so much for that encouragement. I really appreciate that. I'm Shanna Burt, continuing on for Dan Celia, and we're going to be back right after this next break. Here at the AFA Foundation, we help families just like yours shore up permanent income for their retirement years through our charitable gift annuities. AFA Foundation's Associate Director, Chelsea Wildman. We would love to work with you to see if a charitable gift annuity is right for your situation. With a charitable gift annuity, you'll be giving to the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association, and you'll be ensuring that you receive a lifetime income and excellent tax benefits. You can fund a CGA through cash, credit card, or stock. Why not reach out to the AFA Foundation team today? 
A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Give us a call and let's talk about a charitable gift annuity. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax-deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound 250 baby or donate securely at preborn.com that's preborn.com do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks think about it when you invest in a company you make a decision to support the things that that company supports and it may not be things that you agree with we had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program. Well, folks, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, and we are continuing on. We're get, we've got some things on social that I want to get to. Um, so what do we have there, Sam? Yeah, Shannon, we got Joyce from YouTube saying, changed everything to Dan's plan in 2016, and now my problem is rebalancing some positions. More than doubled, still up to 23%. Would be here even if I was down, as this is where God's money should be. <laughs> That's great, Joyce. I love your heart there. Thanks for sharing your experience, too. That's a a good problem to have, to be up 23% and not know um, which positions that you need to reduce. That's a good problem. So uh, appreciate your heart. You know, it is biblically responsible investing is a conviction of the heart. You know, and that's the most important thing. That's what God looks at when he judges all of our actions. So whether it's our giving, he says that he wants us to be a joyful or, in some translations, a hilarious giver. So, you know, it originates if if we're giving just because we feel the compulsion to do so or because we feel like 
we're not going to be blessed if we don't or, um, you know, it, for whatever reason we're doing it, that's what God judges the outcome. So he looks at the intent of the heart. Biblically responsible investing shows him that we care about what he cares about. So we have given him first place in our lives. We care about the issues that he cares about, about life, about freedom, about doing the right things, about purity, about family. Those are all of the things that are top in God's heart in in increasing his family. So when we give him first place in our finances, that that shows that the intent of our heart is to seek God first. And then it says that all of these other things that we're hoping for or that we're seeking or that we're trying to get will be just be given to us. So we can't earn them. You know, we can't bargain for them. We can't religiously follow a set of rules and expect to, you know, just um, have those blessings poured out. It's funny because even if we're motivated to seek God first because we want these other things, what happens in the process is that God changes our hearts. And in His wisdom, He uses all kinds of ways to draw His children to Him. And once we do, once we give Him that first place, things change totally for us. We go from a place of being worried and anxious and feeling responsible for uh, growing the money that we have and making sure that you know we try to get it out before the market drops and we don't lose any of it and you know that's that's really a spirit of slavery when we feel like we're responsible for all of that but when we do what we're asked to do which is to trust God and to be obedient do what he says give where he says to give and do the things that he says to do, then we can trust that he's taking care of all of that. And when we really get a good understanding that we don't really own anything, we're just stewarding those resources. When we get that we don't own it, we realize that we can't lose it, right? Because if you don't own it, you can't lose it. So that's the that's the freedom that comes with biblically responsible investing is that we've committed to the Lord what is his, we're obedient, we trust that he loves us, we trust that he is sovereign and powerful and can do and will do what he says he will do and that frees us to follow the other command which is do not be anxious for anything. So If you want more Word of God, I encourage you to get in Seth's Bible study. He does that every Friday morning at 5.30 a.m. Central Time, 6.30 Eastern Time. You can get on his email list by emailing him or Pat, and you can find the information for the login. It's a very non-threatening way to hear the Word of God. Nobody's going to see you. Nobody's going to ask you to say anything. You're just going to get to sit there and Uh, listen and glean, uh, take in the Word of God and glean from God's wisdom. So he's going to be in Philippians 4, 6 through 9 this Friday morning. If you want to get a jump on that reading and see what the Lord speaks to your heart and then hear hear what the Lord has spoken to Seth's heart about it, that's always a great place to be. You know, we're called to meditate on the Word of God, to let that 
um, ruminate and stir in our spirits because so often, you know, and we can get rushed and we can get in the habit of, okay, you know, uh, what I always try to do is is go to go to my my Bible app and do the verse of the day first thing. And if I'm not careful, I can get in the habit of going, okay, that's checked off my list. Now what's going on and, you know, what what do I need to do and where do I need to do it? But the Word of God really needs to ruminate in our spirit. We need to read it. We need to reread it. We may need to hear about what God said to other people's hearts about that particular thing. We may need to apply it to some circumstances that we're facing in our lives. But if we will just sit with it, and it's so hard not to be distracted in this day and age, but if we will just sit with God's Word, it will speak to us, and it will give us direction, and it will give us wisdom. All right. Amen. <laughs> what else do we have there? We we have Charles from YouTube. He's talking about a f- follow-up question you had last week on fractional shares. And he's saying, Charles Schwab does sell fractional shares, but only for Fortune 500 stocks. This is unfortunate because the stocks on the buy list that I would love to buy fractional shares of, primarily the healthcare stock currently on the buy list are not Fortune 500 stocks. I've considered opening up an account from a brokerage that sells fractional shares of all stocks, but I honestly just can't be bothered right now. And he was wondering if maybe you could recommend another option. Well, Charles, it sounds like uh, you you know what needs to be done. There are brokerage firms out there that will allow you to buy fractional shares. So if that is a priority for you, um, then you're just going to have to take the time to make the move. Um, it is it is fairly simple. I mean, it's it's really simple to open an online account somewhere. Uh, it does take a little bit of time, you know, to gather your documents and things. But once you get established, um, it's going to be a real benefit to you, I would just check that out, you know, ahead of time, make sure that you can do uh, what you're wanting to do, which is buy the fractional shares and that you can buy the things that you want to buy, the things that are on the buy list or the broad list that may end up coming on to the buy list. Make sure that you're able to purchase those things. Uh, The other option is just to um, let your cash build up. So, if you're adding to that account, just let that cash build up until you can get a full share of whatever you're looking at. And it's okay. It's more okay when you're in the accumulation phase to be overweighted in a sector because you're adding money in. And so with the new money, you're going to be able to really balance out those those sectors over time. Um, the other option is to do some profit-taking you know, if you're over in some sectors and you're over in some positions, do some profit taking to generate some cash. All right. Well, we are coming up on the end of the program. I don't know. I think we might have time for one more of those Ask Shanna questions if if we can get to those. Yeah. Um, we have Terry here. He, uh, sh- he says, Shanna, you are very much appreciated and continue to pray for you in the ministry. I currently have HC22 in my portfolio. It is down about 74% from the initial purchase. Would you recommend dollar cost averaging on this stock? Thanks. I would not at this point. Um, HC22 is uh, a company. It's a a small cap company. So if you read in the description when you first got it, uh, or it might have even been a micro cap, um, it was a small cap company, had a lot of its uh, business focused in one area. 
its trial failed. So it has been in the process of reorganizing. It does have some pretty decent cash flow prospects to at least get it through the next year or two um, if it can regroup. But at this point, I, I wouldn't sell it um, unless you just need for some reason to generate a big loss and you're just going to cut your losses and not worry about it. Uh, if you need to generate a loss for tax purposes, that might be an okay reason. But um, I would hang on to it. They could get it together and pull it out. But then again, they may not, but I would not put any more money towards it. We're coming to the end of the show. We might have time for one more. Okay. Um, um, we'll just hold off on that. You know, I just wanted to remind the partners that we are in the habit now of updating the buy list um, every Monday morning. I was a little bit slow getting it done. We're working on some back end issues on the website that make it a little bit hard to get things updated. But there is one stock that we added for this week. You can go and check that out if you're a partner and see if it fits in your allocation and what you're needing to do. If you're not a partner, we would ask you to consider becoming a partner. Um, you know, you're not just buying stock research if you're a partner and looking at asset allocation models. It's great for the person that is convicted to be biblically responsible and has the time and the interest to manage their own portfolio. Um, you also get to listen in to the market uh, the, the conference, partner conference calls once a month, which we will be having one next week. Be looking for an alert to come out on that as well. So um, even if you're not doing it yourself, it's a good thing to get in and listen to those partner conference calls because I share some things that I don't necessarily share on the air, some strategies that I think that can help the partners and also give just some more insight into to what's happening in the market. So even if you have somebody managing your accounts for you, it's a good thing just to keep up and have some extra hand holding. So um, if you're not a partner, we consider you, or if you are, we consider you to become a monthly soldier and support the ministry in that way. You support all the great work of the ministry, not just financial issues. We've got a news program. We've got original content and things that we are developing all the time. So stay tuned and see more about that. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. Then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.